The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. I can feel the energy building. There was a lot of buzz about today's show. My guest, Kathy McManus, has an just incredible story to share. And even if you're not a shining light parent, I know that you will just truly enjoy learning from this woman's journey. We're all going through a journey right now, aren't we, with the coronavirus changes in our world? I wanted to let you know that I did a webinar earlier this week uh, to share some very practical tools for finding peace during any times of turmoil. And that video of that webinar is available on YouTube now. You can just search Suzanne Giesman Coronavirus and Beyond. The beyond part meaning once you get these tools down, you're not going to let anything knock you off balance, hopefully. And it ends with a beautiful guided meditation that was just channeled on the spot, had no idea where we were going to go. And I've had so much feedback from people saying how powerful it was. So again, look for my YouTube channel, Coronavirus and Beyond. And one other thing with many thanks to my assistant, Bev, we got online of my free gift to you. My Journey of Remembrance recording is now free. It's been on um, iTunes and Uh, Amazon for sale for several years, but this week I decided I really want people to know about this and hear it. So go to my website, SuzanneGiesman.com, down at the bottom, free meditation gifts. On that page, you'll find Journey of Remembrance. It's all about reminding you who you are at the soul level, and I hope that'll bring you lots of peace. So let's shift gears now and get to our guest, Kathy McManus. Kathy and Andy are parents of three wonderful young men. And they experienced, unfortunately, a living nightmare when two of their beautiful sons died in one year. Kathy's going to share with us today how she survived, but now continues her relationship with her boys across the veil. And we were talking earlier, she didn't know how she was going to narrow down the stories that she has of validation that they're with her. Kathy, I'm so grateful you agreed to come on the show today. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for having me. This is really, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to share my family and my boys with you and everyone listening. Well, it's it's always so lovely when I connect with you. We'll talk a, a little bit later how you and I met and how we got, Ty and I got to know you and Andy and your dear friends now. But uh, I would just like to set the stage by why don't you tell us about your family and what started 
this journey for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, um, my husband is a retired Marine. He was in the Marine Corps for 30 years, and we had um, just the privilege of having such a beautiful life with incredible adventures and being able to move all over the world. Um, And along the journey, we were blessed with three incredibly beautiful boys. Connor was born in 1993, and each of them also, just as an aside, were all born in different states or different places. <laughs> so um, he was born in 29 Palms, California in 1993, then Jack in 1996 in Monterey, California, and then our beautiful little Aiden was born in 1998 in Annapolis <laughs> and truly had such a beautiful life. Um, the boys were in incredibly active and fun and rough and tumble and um, just my total joy in life. Um, so we had just returned from Okinawa, Japan in uh, the summer of 2012, and it was a very kind of a, a bumpy landing. My mother had just started um, into a descent into dementia, which was very sad. Um, She had to move from Florida up into Virginia with us. We hadn't even gotten our household goods when my mother moved in. So it was quite a busy time. Yeah, Yeah, it really was quite a busy time. Um, And it was a a little bit of a um, bumpy move for Aiden, um, unfortunately. Um, But he seemed to be, he really seemed to be going in with the flow and um, very much as a shock and surprise, we lost Aiden to suicide in March of 2013. Um, it was actually March 17th of 2013, which is, for those of you who know, St. Patrick's Day, which in my family is, is a big holiday. So it's really been a challenge to um, bring that back into balance. Um, then eight months later, as we were just getting our feet under us and learning how to breathe again. Our oldest son, Connor, uh, died in an accidental fall off of his balcony while he was attending Penn State University. Mm. So needless to say, um, I I had the wind knocked out of me again and just did not know how to navigate life, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I want to hear how you did. How did you get out of bed each day? Well... (laughs) I have to give credit right off the bat to Jack, my middle son. Um, He said the most profound thing the day that we found out that that I found out that Aiden passed. I actually had been away for the weekend. I had gone to run a half marathon down in Virginia Beach. And so I found out at the finish line of the marathon um, that Aiden had passed. And so it, it was a two and a half hour trip to get back home. And when I got there, it was, um, just Andy, Jack, and I. I mean, there were other people in the house, but we huddled in my bedroom. And Jack just looked at us, and I couldn't believe these words of wisdom came out of his then 17-year-old mouth. And he said, this changes everything, but we cannot let it change us. Whoa. I know. (laughs) And so those words of wisdom for him always, always stuck in the back of my head, even in my darkest times, um, I I knew I had to navigate this. But he was not the only one who was there. We know Aiden was there immediately. Um, 
the very first person that came to see us from the military side, they send, they usually ask if you would like a chaplain in times of distress like this. And we said, yes, send a chaplain. And the chaplain they sent, surprisingly enough, had 30 years experience in dealing with and studying and counseling victims of suicide or victims of attempt or people of attempted suicide. Wow. So, Right there, I we it did not escape us. Even in our grief, we realized something more powerful led this man into our house. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was no coincidence. Yeah. Um, and then even that first night, um, Aiden showed up. Uh, it was after the house had gone quiet. Uh, we were still waiting for Connor to get to us from Penn State. He still hadn't made his way his way home yet. I was coming down the front stairs of our house, and Andy was back in the back by the sunroom. Both had big windows looking outside, and snow started falling. And we had no snow was expected that day. It was not in the forecast. It was not even cold enough to snow, but there was snow. (laughs) Aiden always loved snow. He couldn't wait to get back from Okinawa to have snow. And I saw it, and Andy saw it, and we came together at the same time and said, do you see what's happening out there? I would call that an so we, act of God. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I, I went out on our back porch and I just stood with my face turned up and I let the snowflakes fall on it. And with each snowflake that touched me, I thanked Aiden. I thanked him for showing up. I begged him to come back. Um, and he did. He kept coming back. He did not, he did not leave us. <clears throat> so some so people I'm not gonna say, get... Oh, sorry. Some people say they don't get any signs, but you, as we'll go through the show, are just a a sign attractor. You have hundreds of them. (laughs) It's well, and I will I I will back up my story a little bit also to to say that I do believe that um, something spiritual happened in my house, whether it was a forewarning or I was able to hear across the veil. I don't exactly to this day understand fully but I was getting ready as I said I ran that half marathon and I was sitting at my computer and getting trying to motivate myself to get out and run my eight miles that I had to run that day and the house was empty there was nobody in it except my mother upstairs sleeping and myself and I heard talking it was constant Mm -hmm. talking as if there were a tv or a radio on somewhere in the house but there wasn't I checked every room I couldn't figure out where this talking was coming from. I even went outside because I thought, oh, my goodness, our insulation must be really bad. I think I hear the neighbors. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was nothing. Every time I would lean my head against the wall to see if I could hear it more clearly, it would go away. And when I would come back to my computer, it would start up again. And when was this in relation know. to Aiden's passing? It was about two to three weeks before Aiden passed. Hmm. And I'd just like to share with everyone, I don't want to get too far ahead in the story, but you have now studied mediumship, and how has that opened up for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, because the boys, well, uh, to go further with this, uh, the boys were sending so many signs, and they must know how kind of thick-headed and stubborn their mother is, because I could just picture them in heaven saying, okay, what you got? Let's throw it all at her. Because <laughs> it's going <laughs> to take some time for her to really get it. They sent everything, absolutely everything you can imagine happened. Um, so 
the signs were coming so fast and furiously that I decided, actually, I had been told by one of the mediums I had seen along the way, when you're ready, you will learn their language. And not that I'm special. We all have that ability to tap in. um, But I had to be mentally ready, and I was in no place in the very beginning to tap in. But then once I did... And it was solely to hear from my boys. I was shocked to find out that I was hearing from other people and other people's stories as well. That's so awesome. <laughs> but let's keep going with your story, Kathy. Okay, uh, yeah. you're, you're, you're writing, by the way, you have a wonderful first start for a blog, heaveninmyheart.com. I hope all of you will make a note because Kathy's just put her initial post up there, but she is a wonderful writer, as we'll talk about later, and I know that you're going to inspire a lot of people with heaven in my heart, so oh, let's, thank um, you. let's move my forward. That, that my stories will resonate with, with people, and that they will just learn to see the signs themselves, and learn to know that they are not alone, um, which is what I have come to know and so appreciate. <laughs> so with me, with what happened with me in the beginning, um, Aiden was throwing so many signs at us. In fact, one of the ones that was incredibly shocking for Andy and I was um, we had to wait three days to see him. We weren't, um, we weren't mm. allowed to see him for three days. So when we were finally allowed to go and, um, and visit with his body, um, <clears throat> a time that was in anybody's mind the most horrific thing that any parent can experience, which it was. Right. But as Andy and I sat there, I was actually kneeling by him and Andy was standing behind me. I felt it at the same time Andy said it. And he said, Kathy, I feel so peaceful. And I felt it at that same time. It was as if something had come over us. Aiden hugged us Mm. to let us know Mm. he was there. And in that moment, we both felt an immense peace, a peace beyond understanding. Um, And he kept doing this to us. And I thought along the way, um, like I said, I I have in the past been able to hear things, which I didn't attribute to mediumship. And it was like I was having these little changes in perspective along the way to help bring me out of this dark, incredibly Mm -hmm. dark hole that I was in. Um, I would wake up every morning and just start listing everything that I would be missing with Aiden. And it would put me, obviously, in such a horrible place. And you mean like the you know getting married, having children, that going yes. through a little mental list like that? Uh, yes, I called it my litany of missing. Yes, I would miss him, his driving, you know, his prom, everything, everything I could think of that I would not get to see. I would relive it's, every morning. It's amazing where the mind goes. Yes, yeah, and it it was taking me in in a very very bad place. And one morning I heard a little voice saying, maybe you're doing this wrong. (laughs) Maybe you should think about the things that you are grateful for that you experienced with him. So I thought I thought of that. (laughs) In hindsight, knowing what I know now, I realized somebody whispered that. Somebody put that thought into my mind. Absolutely. Leading me out of this dark place. And so some days I could, it could just be, well, the sun is shining. I'm grateful for that. But I started that. And I didn't at the time either realize about the whole gratitude movement and how gratitude totally changes your mindset. 
So yeah, there are a couple thousand people join me on a Facebook page. There's always something to be grateful for, and it just immediately lifts your mood. Yes. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And I also realized at about the same time that everything in life is a choice. So I had a choice whether to get out of bed, whether to brush my teeth. Everything was a choice. And immediately I said in the morning, God, I choose you. Today I'm going to choose you. I don't know if I can do that tomorrow, but today it's you. And I started living that way kind of every day by day. I could not look into the next day. It just was too much for me to do. So, um, but they were sending me these little breadcrumbs. I was getting what I thought were my own inspiration, my own thoughts. But like I said, I realize now that I was being led. I was being guided that, you know, you need to change the trajectory of this. There's no doubt, especially now that you have that perspective, because you know that with the fog of grief, you weren't in any place to be thinking inspired thoughts like that. Right, absolutely. And what I failed to mention also, Suzanne, in the beginning when I started telling my story is um, three days after Aiden passed, um, my sister's husband, my brother-in-law, passed of a massive stroke, totally unexpected. So we had, my sister had come down to help us and then immediately had to go back. And thank God she was able to make it back in time to say goodbye to him. So we were in different states trying to navigate all of this, and it was absolute, complete chaos. But these signs that I kept getting, Aiden, um, very shortly after he passed, touched my face. And I, mm. it sounds odd, but it was something that he did in life, so it made total sense that he would continue to do this to get my attention. Um, and I know, he, as you say that, people who haven't had that experience, I've had my stepdaughter Susan touch me on the shoulder, so you stop, and then tie her father on the on a trail when he was hiking felt two fingers on her arm. It's a physical sensation, isn't it, Kathy? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it wait, it, it, what signs did for me and still do, and it, it stops time. The whole feeling of grief goes away. Past, present, future are all right here, and it huh. is the most amazing experience of peace. And that's what he did for me as I sat on the couch that day. I just was sitting on my couch staring at the TV and ever so gently this pressure along the side of my nose and my eyebrow. And I knew Mm. it was Aiden. There was no question because like I said, he did that in life playing around with me. He would touch my face and be silly, a typical 15 year old silly boy. And, and he kept that up. So that also showed me his personality is all still intact. He's him. He's Aiden. Wow. So he also sent, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say he started sending me A's, which was another very um, evidential sign from him. He wrote his name on everything. I have furniture still with A's scratched in it. And all of a sudden, these little A's were popping up in strange places. So, so help help the skeptics who are new to the, these podcasts and the broadcast that, all right, you're looking for A's. I just glanced down and there's the word angel beside me. So there's an A. What makes a sign of an A different from you just start seeing them because you're thinking about them? Okay. Well, first off, it was unexpected because I really wasn't thinking about it at the time. And um, the first very profound one happened at the, it was about the six month mark after he had passed. We were moving. I had found out that Jack really did not like the high school he was in. And I was like, something tangible that I can 
I can fix that. I can change that. We mm. can move and you can go to a different high school. And so we were in the process of a move. The movers had been in my house all day long. And you know how it is when you've got people in the house, you go from room to room directing what goes where and what to pack. Oh, yeah. and, and so I had done a loop in my house probably 500 times um, <laughs> and had been through our, our home office at least half of that. So after the movers left and the house got quiet again and I was the only one home, I had my breakdown and cried and and talked to Aiden the whole time. You know, Aiden, you don't stay here. You're coming with us. And I kept patting my chest and saying, you live here now. Um, And that's significant. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was patting my heart saying, you live here now, Aiden, you live here. Of course. And so I walked, I walked back into the office and whatever way the movers had moved boxes or carpet in the pile of the carpet, right by the office door, the carpet had a giant A marked in it. (laughs) And I took a picture. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, again, I got that feeling of peace. My gosh, he heard me. I know he heard me. And I took out my cell phone and I snapped a picture of it. Like, I'm leaving this house, but I'm not leaving that A because I know he heard me. And this was a door-to-door move. So the next morning, the movers were driving up our new house, the driveway to the new house. And again, I was talking to Aiden. You know, this is where we are now. You live here. You live with us. You don't Mm -hmm. stay anywhere else. And as I'm saying that... I looked down in my driveway, and right in the middle of the driveway, there are just random sticks that the wind had blown with a big, in the shape of a big A. <laughs> and out comes the cell phone again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I have gotten into that habit of every time I see a sign that I can t- that it's possible to take a picture of, I take a picture of it. But um, you have a tangible, to- don't you have like a? collage or something tangible with all those signs? I do. I have a wall in my bedroom. I call it my wall of miracles. And it's, I put every picture. Well, I'm back. I'm behind a few pictures. I need to go buy some more frames, but I put pictures in frames and I hang them all over that wall to mm. um, just to display. And it's a good place for when I'm feeling a bit down and, um, feel like maybe I hadn't heard from them in a little while. It's just such a beautiful space to just go stand in front of and just know that they're right there and they're busy. They've got stuff and, to do. <laughs> so. yeah, let's just make a point of this for all of you listening. Anybody who has not just a child across the veil or, or any loved one is what I mean. The wall of miracles, it's not just photos of them, is it, Kathy? It's, no, no, it's not, just, it's not just photos of the boys. It's photos right. of what they've brought me since they passed. So, um, so the two A's that I got when moving, in fact, I've got another couple of A's that have now joined them. Um, and I do have kind of a funny story. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it just shows how much their personality remains intact. After Connor passed at one point when I could get my thoughts together and, and he was sending signs immediately also, I had said, well, C's are a little harder. I know A's can see in nature quite easily. They're three straight lines. And I kind of said to Connor, well, I know C's can be a little bit more of a challenge, but we'll find our way. We'll find our language and I'll know what sign is for you from you. About a day and a half later, I had gone into a store and there were three shelves of those chunky monogram C's. What? All lining three shelves in a row. 
<laughs> and and the thing is, you know, what drew you to that place at that time? This, this is how those across the veil grab our thoughts and we think they're our own, but we're guided. Oh, we are so guided. I know I probably got had gone in there because I got, I buy our dog, um, I pick, you know, the, when you pick up after your dog when you're walking it, I buy the bags yep. in, in Home yep. Goods, and I had just happened to go into Home Goods to get more bags, <laughs> and there were the C's. So I just, and I had to stop and laugh. And that's what's so beautiful is that they can make me laugh. Even when I'm in a very (laughs) down place, I looked at that and I said, okay, that's Connor. And that's a little sarcastic. I get (laughs) you. But that's got to, that must be on your wall, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. It's this the so most brilliant said, idea to have that wall of miracles because I tell people document everything, but then you have to remember to pull that file out when you need a lift or you need to see the preponderance of the evidence that lets us know this is real. They are really with us, but to have it in your face and that place where you can go when you need that pick me up. I, I hope that this idea of yours, Kathy, just spreads with people. It's beautiful. I, I do too. I, I tell people about it a lot in hopes that they will do it as well. Um, and what I've started doing now is I've taken it one step further and I leave one blank frame because that's setting my intention that I know another one's coming. So, Oh, I love that. For those of you who say, I never see the signs. It's a matter of creating the co-creating those miracles. Look how often she talks to her boys and tells them, give me a sign. <laughs> I know you guys who are listening are asking for the signs, but hopefully hearing this will open things up for you. Right. Yes. Wow. Um, you have but, one more quick one you can tell in one minute before the break? Oh, gosh, a break already. Um, well, I'll tell you how incredibly great the communication has become because it's, it's taken quite a while um, for, it, for me to feel natural in it. Um, the other, about a year ago, I was sitting down to watch a movie and I felt Aiden touch my face. So I put the movie on pause. I closed my eyes and I said, Aiden, what is it you want me to know? And immediately I saw a car with its hood up and clear cognizantly, clear cognizantly, just with knowing I knew it was Jack's car and there was something wrong. So I picked up the phone and I called Jack and I said, hey, Jack, here's your strange mom calling you with yet another that. And I told him what I saw and he said, "Okay, mom, just to make you feel better, I'll get my car checked out. Well, the next day he did that and called me that evening and said, oh, my God, mom. My back, the rear axle is cracked, and my two rear tires are totally bald. The guy, the mechanic was shocked I have not been in an accident. Oh, save by the brother. That is just oh, yeah. beautiful. And, and the lesson is for all of us to, when you feel the presence, don't just acknowledge it. Ask him. You have a message for us. We're talking with Kathy McManus. She has two sons across the veil. So much she's learned from them. Kathy, thank you for sharing. And we're going to come back for another half hour after a short break. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Oh, we're just enjoying this conversation with Kathy McManus so much. She has two sons across the veil and what you would think would be a very depressing topic is just so uplifting because of the signs she gets from them. But I do want to acknowledge, Kathy, you're a co, no, you're the affiliate leader for Helping Parents Heal affiliate in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And I have so many dear friends in Helping Parents Heal. And I just want to give a shout out and acknowledge my next door neighbors, Jenny and Dave, who are members of Helping Parents Heal, and then our mutual friends, Jean Marie, right here where we live in South Carolina. All of them, they have two sons across the veil as well. So you, it's just uh, our, our hearts go out to all of you, anybody who has a child across the veil, and then the double losses, you all, uh, you're shining lights for all of us. Okay. So, Kathy. Um, you and I met in person at the Omega Institute when I was one of the speakers at a at a weekend on synchronicity. So clearly, you you and Andy were seeing synchronicities and were drawn to this workshop up there. Yes, absolutely, and and that was in the uh, pretty much in the beginning of our journey, or what I term the beginning. The first three years, I consider the beginning. Um, we were seeing so much, and we were really reading everything we could get our hands on and try to uh, trying to understand what was happening. And that weekend was fantastic. I, it was so incredibly informative and packed with just incredible knowledge that we gained. And meeting you was probably the icing on the cake. Well, I um, remember I, very clearly that when I heard you had a child across the veil, I remember offering, I'll do a reading for you. And, uh, and, the difference in your demeanor now between then and now is just incredible. So to give hope to everybody listening, they, Kathy and Andy are different people now. They, you were still in the th- in the throes of grief then, and I remember feeling so intimidated doing the reading for two reasons. Number one, you were hurting so much, and I wanted so badly for you to know what I know. But number two, when I found out that Andy was a Marine infantry colonel, that I mean, that's just just made me shake in my boots being a retired Navy commander. No, I can't do a reading for a Marine colonel. He's, is he going to believe this mediumship stuff, you know? So that's why it's like, boy, you have to give me some evidence. Do you remember what happened when we were sitting in the audience when somebody oh, else was gosh, giving yes. their talk? It was, it was somewhat comical. If it wasn't, if I hadn't been so desperate, I probably would have seen how funny it was at the time, but you had so generously when you offered to do a reading for us, you instructed me to call your scheduler and um, that we would set up a reading further down the line. And we were sitting in an evening production. There was a, um, a dance going on, and you happened to sit in front of us 
again, no coincidence. I guess my an back accident. Hurting, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> my back had been hurting from sitting in those chairs all day, and I got up and stood against the wall just to get some relief. And I did notice every once in a while you would turn around and look at Andy. And I was thinking, what's going on over there? What is Andy doing? Oh, Andy, don't hiss off the medium. <laughs> I don't want you. <laughs> Sorry, that's what was going through my head. <laughs> and it turned out that you had told Andy, I think we need to do this reading sooner rather than later because somebody is poking me. And that yeah. makes such In perfect sense. In the spirit sense. world. <laughs> Yes, from the spirit world. Sorry, I need to be more clear. From the spirit world. And that made such sense for Connor's personality because once Connor wanted to do something, he wasn't going to wait for it. He was like that in life, and he continues to be like that in his spirit life, that he just (laughs) is like, nope, it's going to happen now. Nope, let's go. Let's move it along. And so you so graciously offered to have us come to your cabin and we sat in that little cabin almost knee to knee <laughs> yeah, I for remember. the reading. And like you said, I had the opportunity to re-listen to that again um, just recently and I was shocked at oh. just the presentation and the demeanor that Andy and I had. The energy was so incredibly low and I thought I was managing to put on a face and and you're right we are two totally different people today than we were back then but the evidence I thought, came. I thought the reading was terrible because you two were just there was no reaction from you you know because you were just so <laughs> depressed rightfully so you know but uh you right. say later you right. went back and listened and it wasn't as bad as I thought <laughs> no it was not at all it was gold to us it was such a gift I and mean, it lifted us so much um, and what's interesting what brought your attention to us, I had gone up to you to ask you a question actually about a sign that I had received that was very similar to something that you had received in Messages of Hope. Do you remember the book that moved? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That but was in Wolf's Message. Yeah. It, oh, oh, Wolf's Message. Sorry, I had the mm-hmm. wrong book. Mm-hmm. So um, about maybe the Christmas before that, I had been sitting in church. And there was an Advent wreath. It was the first Sunday of Advent. And for those who don't know what an Advent wreath is, it's basically a countdown to Christmas. So there are four candles and you light one per week till you get to Christmas. It was the first Sunday, the first candle hadn't been lit. And we sat in church. And as the priest was doing his sermon, something caught my attention. And I looked and the first Advent candle had been lit. And I sat there and thought, I don't remember that being lit. And so I kind of turned my head one way and another trying to see if maybe the light was hitting it funny. And as I'm doing that, the second candle lights automatically by itself. And now I'm looking at this wreath and I can't say anything. And these two, for some reason, I wanted to nudge Andy and say, look at the wreath, but I couldn't move. I was so transfixed. And I was watching these two candles burn so brightly. And I started Mm. thinking, oh my gosh, is it really the first Sunday or is it the second Sunday? I had a whole conversation going in my head. Well, the priest came down off the pulpit, and as he comes to descend the steps, one candle goes out, the next candle goes out, and he goes over and he lights the first candle. The candles hadn't been lit. Oh, man. And two signs, two candles. You can't miss that sign. Exactly. And then it was validated about three weeks later. I had taken my very good friend Jenny and my sister-in-law Colleen, and I had gone to see a... um, 
a medium and an angel reader, they were doing a presentation. And I didn't expect to be read because I had just had a mediumship reading, but they had never experienced it. So I wanted them to see it. Well, right off the bat, I was the first reading. And um, my brother-in-law, Ken, my sister's husband, came through immediately. And with him, he brought Aiden. And the whole time in my head, I'm thinking, oh, please, please say something about those Advent wreath candles, and then I'll know it was definitely you, and I'll know I'm not crazy. Because for the first two years, I thought maybe I was losing my grip on reality. Mm. So they never said anything about it, and Connor didn't come through. And and that was okay, but the medium mm-hmm. came up and gave me a hug. And um, and then they started reading a young girl and a woman behind me. Well, during this time, I wasn't listening to that reading. I was just processing my own. And I heard at the very end, the medium said to this girl, when this is all over, I want you to hug the woman in front of you who who mm-hmm. has lost her children. And I thought, oh, my goodness, why should she hug me? I have no idea. What? I wasn't listening, so I don't know what she's, she's, I mean, obviously she's here because she's experienced loss, but I don't know what that is, and what can I tell somebody? You would think I would know what to say, but I have no more clue what to say than the next person. So I started thinking in my head, Aiden, help me out here, and I don't know why I went immediately to Aiden, but that's what I said. Mm -hmm. Aiden, help me out here. What do I say to this young girl? What do I say? And immediately I had this thought run through my head, Tell her exactly what you would have told me. And I thought, that is the weirdest thing for me to think. Why would I think that? That's strange. So afterwards, the young girl and I came together, and she was sobbing almost uncontrollably again. And I just held her hands, and I said, my human brain took over, and I started trying to figure out what what was going on. And I said, listen, I don't know your story. I can only imagine you've lost someone in the same way I lost my son because my story is upsetting you so much. And she starts shaking her head and she got herself together and took a big, deep breath and said, no, I'm crying because I have tried to kill myself two times now. Mm. And in that moment, it was a huge turning point for me because I realized that's what made me realize Aiden just spoke to me. That was not Mm. my thought. I had no reason to think that. I asked him a question and he responded. I am communicating with my son. And that was a huge turning point for me right at that moment. I realized they are talking to me. It is now my responsibility to learn their language. And that's what started me on my quest for learning mediumship. Yeah. I love you. You've said that several times to learn their language. It is a different way of communicating. Before we get off that, the previous topic, though, you you are a part of some kind of a suicide support group. Is that correct? Well, um, I'm not in a suicide support group per se, but I would, and I thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really would like to just give um, a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number. Um, ah. Because I have been in that space, and I know many people visit that space, and this world can't lose people. We need you here, and we need nobody can be you. So if it's okay mm-hmm. with you, I'll give the National Suicide of Prevention course. Lifeline now. It yeah. one 
your presence is so needed here. So if anybody gets to that space, just know that people are out there that you have no idea love you and care for you and you touch their lives even if you don't know. And that's what I told that girl, actually, as I stood with her. Um, she had complimented me on a ring that I had been wearing, and I took it off, and I gave it to her, and I said, look, look at this ring every time and realize that there is somebody out there you don't know who loves you and needs you here. Well, I know that brought a few tears from people listening right now. That's, yeah, that's God working through you. That's your sons working through you. It's all, it's all spirit. It's all love. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's when I set out on taking these mediumship courses, and it was really all about understanding Connor and Aiden and when they were talking to me. Um, But then I found out that I was getting messages from other people. I sat in um, one mediumship. It was was for helping parents heal, and they were doing a um, guided meditation to connect with your children. And in that meditation, I'm expecting to hear from my children, but I actually wound up sitting with my father's best friend who had passed um, earlier in the year. <laughs> and Surprise. He showed me this, this, sorry? Surprise. Yeah, exactly. And he showed me this beautiful scene. Um, he brought me to what looked like a party tent, and there was this huge celebration going on. And there was another, we have so many friends in our family that have become family. And my, um, this was another incredibly great friend of my father and my aunts growing up through childhood to, into adulthood who had recently passed. And he showed me the scene of this man surrounded by love and joy and this celebration of him returning home. And, and then my Uncle Tommy took me aside and gave me all these messages. And I thought, well, am I supposed to call your daughter and give this to her? This is very new for me. And so I did. I called um, what I call my cousin, Tiffany, mm-hmm. and um, she act- and I told her I, what I had been doing and that I had gotten these messages, and would it be okay if I shared them with her? And she said, absolutely. My daughter is here. Can she listen on the other line? This is an adult daughter who is um, married and has her own children. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, sure. And so she picked the, up the line, and I started giving her the messages, and Tiffany was saying, no, no, I don't understand that. And then we hear this little voice come from her daughter, and she said, well, I do. It turned out the message was for her daughter. Oh, I love it. Yeah, Yeah. it was incredible. So I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that I'm getting messages from other people. Um, A little while later, I was driving down the road, and, you know, when you're on a long trip and your mind sort of takes a little journey, and I got oh, yeah. all like almost a whole conversation with my brother-in-law. Um, and as I did this, a car passed me, and the license plate was Cujo, and that was his call sign. He was a chief warrant officer, <laughs> a chief warrant officer five in the army. And um, and I start, and then it snapped me back to reality. And I said, oh, "This isn't my imagination." <laughs> No, now I need need to educate the listeners, Kathy, for those that don't know how this works. Your brother-in-law has the bigger picture, the higher perspective from not being stuck in a physical body anymore. He sees that car near you. He knows it's going to pass. He says, this is the time to drop in on Kathy. He talks to you knowing here comes that car and boom, it passes you and there's your validation. So it's not just that by random chance the the car went by. It, it's just the coming together of those two things perfectly. 
set up from spirit. Absolutely, Love it. It How about some signs you wanted to share with, you talked on the break about signs that Connor has sent you because we're rapidly running out of time. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, Well, in the, Connor showed up actually within the first half hour after he passed, we were actually on our way up to Penn state to um, meet him at a football game. We were going to spend, see the football game, spend the day with him in the night. Um, And we found out, Suzanne, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. I just heard. I thought I got cut off. I'm sorry. Um, we got the phone call from the police actually as we were driving up the road. Um, we oh. were somewhere in between our house and State College. I can't remember now where we were when the phone call came in, and we had to receive that news on the side of the highway. Oh. So I don't know how Andy was able to do it, but we mm-hmm. got back in the car um, and we. Took, got off the first exit and we went to a McDonald's parking lot just to gather ourselves because we, absolute, we were in absolute shock. Of course. That summer, Connor had lost his Penn State ID and we ripped that car apart looking for it. We couldn't find his ID card anywhere. It was nowhere in the house, nowhere in the car. He wound up having to get himself another one when he went back to school. Well, we piled out of the car in that parking lot and stood together to hug each other and at our feet was Connor's Penn State ID. Oh, my gosh. Goosebumps. With no idea how it could have gotten there. And then also that night, um, I had my brother and sister-in-law were coming down from um, New York. You know, everybody was congregating here. And Jack wanted to go to sleep. And he said, please wake me up when they get there. Um, He wanted to see all of his aunts and uncles that day. So I kept checking on him like he was a brand new baby. It was one of those, is he breathing? And it was obsessive. I kept going up to the room and checking on him and checking on him. Well, one time when I went up to the room to check on him, I had the hall light on. So there was plenty of light in the room. I could see him perfectly. Only it was not him sleeping there on the couch. It was Connor. Um, And there is a difference in Connor and Jack. Uh, Jack is much more like my side of the family. He's about 5'9 or so, 5'10". Um, a little bit stockier, a stronger build. Connor was six foot tall, six foot four, and very oh. lanky. He was a perfect track star build, um, and he was a track star. So the, he had a very long neck. Everything about him was a bit longer than Jack. And it was Connor lying there, lying exactly as he always did. And again, mm-hmm. I would turn. I turned my head one way, and I turned it the next. And like, am I am I seeing things? I took a step in the room and looked even harder. And I was just about to say, oh, my God, Connor, you're here. And as soon as I sucked in a breath, Jack woke up and it was Jack again. Oh. So I don't know if that would be transfiguration. But the very important thing about that sight, um, about seeing him, was the way he was lying. He did fall quite a good distance and unfortunately did quite a bit of damage, um, bodily damage. And he showed me the side of his face that took most of the damage and it was perfect and it was beautiful and I know he was telling me don't worry about me mom I'm perfect I'm fine Mm. wow what a what a gift what a blessing you just don't forget it when you have those personal experiences like that no you don't absolutely not um and so the other thing Connor did for me right away was um he had me write a letter to his friends there were um Connor's fall came after a night of partying, and they had taken a drug that he had never done before. It was very much out of character. Um, 
<clears throat> and I had gone to sleep. I had gone up in, to, to go to bed one of the days, about two days after he had passed, and I was just exhausted and I needed to go to sleep. Um, and as soon as my head hit the pillow, I got this jolt and I sat right up in the bed and had this urge and necessity. It was an urgent need to write a letter to the other boys that were in the apartment that night. Hmm. And it was a le- it was a letter saying that we did not hold them responsible for the poor choices made that night. I became so incredibly afraid that one of those boys was suffering so much from what happened. And I knew that nobody did anything maliciously to him um, and that this was just a poor choice on everybody's behalf. And I felt so pushed to write this letter. And I know in hindsight that it was Connor necessity to reach out to his friends. Um, And so I wrote this letter. I actually titled it a love letter to Connor because that's what it felt like. And I had Jack and um, Andy read it to agree because I knew it was not just me it was not just for me to write this, that they had to, to agree as well, and they, they did. They said they felt it was important that another tragedy not come of what happened to Connor because we were so afraid for the other boys. But in hindsight, I know it was Connor who had me do that. Yeah, but you didn't have to listen. So all together, the wholeness of all of you coming together like that is uh, a real lesson for everyone. You're Instead of mm-hmm. holding in that anger, I'm sure that changed you. It's very freeing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, well, I I think it took me quite a while for, and I know I'm kind of jumping to how I feel now to how I felt back then. For the first few years, all of these signs seemed so incredibly random and that I was just there to receive whenever they decided to give one. Mm Mm-hmm. And my stories tend to be very long. And so I've come to realize that it's a conversation and I am not as inactive in this as I thought I was. There's been so many times I've asked them for something and within hours they've given it to me. So I had done a meditation one day and in it both boys came to me and they told me that Aiden was telling me what heaven was like and Connor was giving me um, instructions on what he wanted me to do and that we were going to work together and that they are, he's, he's getting people gathered and, and he has a lot of work for me to do. Um, and it was a beautiful message. And at the end of it, I said, well, I've just made all of this up. Of course I have, because I want to continue to work with them. I want to continue this relationship with them. And so I asked them, if this really is for you, at some point today, I want you to send me a bird and a marble. And I know that sounds like a crazy combination of things. Oh, I'm sorry, not a bird and a marble, but that was a second, that was a different one. I had asked (laughs) them to send me a sparrow and a Guinness reference, which is another crazy combination to ask for. And so all day long, it was around St. Patrick's Day, actually, of 2018. And all day long, I'm looking for Guinness and sparrows, and I'm finding absolutely nothing. said, oh, well. They didn't give me the validation. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. Maybe it'll come in the next two days. Well, Andy orders books online all the time, and I never know when books are coming, and I don't know what mm-hmm. he's ordered or what he gets up to. <laughs> that day, there was a stack of books in the um, mailbox, and I got them all out, and I unpacked them all, and the last book I unpacked was called Renaissance, The Power of the Gospel, However Dark the Times, the author is Oz Guinness, and there is a big bird on the cover of the book. <laughs> Oz Guinness. Fantastic. 
Yes. So within hours, they gave me validation that that visit with them was authentic and accurate. And again, for those of you who are new to this, notice how Kathy asked for a specific sign. This really helps to narrow it down that you're not making it up and understand that her son's put in her mind what sign to ask for, knowing what was coming in the mail that day. They have the the higher perspective, the bird's eye perspective, if we could take off on the bird that that you asked for. (laughs) That's perfect. Absolutely. Beautiful. Now, Kathy, I want to give you a homework assignment. Your blog that's just in its initial stages, heaveninmyheart.com. I want you to put on the blog what the boys told you heaven is like, because the moment you said it, I heard several of our listeners saying, well, what is it like? I want to know. So if you can, <laughs> that's an assignment for you. All right. And yeah. for all of you listening, when you go to heaveninmyheart.com, there's not much there yet, but Kathy is an incredible writer. And so you can sign up to receive updates as she posts them. So you don't have to keep checking. But the one, the one thing I read, Kathy, as we we're running out of time that just showed me what a great writer is, was your analogy of roller coasters and your grief journey. Mm-hmm. Could you have a time to wrap that up in two minutes? Well, um, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's not go um, there. You just said, I'll, I'll just quote you from it. You said, I think my yes. grief is a bit like the roll, like a roller coaster ride. And you say your boys always goaded you to go with you and you hated it. But you say that once strapped in, there's no choice to, but to ride this out. And then... Your boys are whispering to you later, just open your eyes, mom, open your eyes. We haven't left you. Just like on the roller coaster when you would grip your eyes closed. So you'd write with beautiful analogies that help us all. But one line that struck me is you wrote, for so long I fought healing. I found the word offensive. Yes. Can you absolutely share with us why and what your aha about that is now? Yes, um, I, I felt that there was an expectation with healing that in healing would mean that I was saying, okay, I'm through it, I'm over it, I'm done, okay, <laughs> and, and that I would just move on. Um, and I have come to realize through so many of the signs, the miracles, the experiences that we've had, that grief is not something to be healed. Um, In fact, I read, I think it was David Kessler, and I think it's a Buddhist saying as well, that pain is inevitable, but but suffering is optional. And that resonated with me, that I could understand. And I realized that that healing, um, all of my ideas that were in conflict with healing, that statement just put them all into perspective. Grief is an emotion. It's a reaction to profound loss, and it's nothing that needs to be healed because I am not broken because I And you certainly have shown us that today, Kathy. Thank you for sharing the miracles with all of us and giving us hope. It's a joy talking with you. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine? 
speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.